Welcome to Growing in Grace with Pastor Victor Morrison. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas. We are praying that God will bless you as you listen to this message. If you would like additional information on worship times and ministries at FBC Columbus, you can find out more at our website, fbccolumbustx.org. And now, take your copy of God's Timeless Word as Pastor Victor gives today's message. Welcome back to Growing in Grace. Glad you're here today. We're going to look in 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 19. 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 19. You know, Valentine's Day is really close. And so I don't know if you feel ready for it. Uh, my wife is my best friend in life. I love her so much. And so already my wheels are turning, but nothing, I don't have any traction yet, but they are turning. So I hope you got it on your radar. But I want to talk about today from this passage, will real love please stand up? You know, in December of 1956, a new television game show came out. It was launched and it was called To Tell the Truth. Four celebrity panelists questioned three challengers. Only one of those three challengers was real. The other two were simply imposters. So each of the four celebrities would vote for who they believed was authentic. Was it number one? Was it number two? Was it number three? And then uh, after all the voting was cast and they held up the card, which one they thought, then the host would say to the three challengers, will the real, let's say it was Mr. Smith, will the real Mr. Smith please stand up? And of course, you know, they would all act like they were going to stand up, but then only one would stand up. And so everyone would know who was real. Well, you know, I couldn't help but think there's a lot of um, expressions of love that are out there today. But since it's Valentine's Day, I think we ought to look closely at what's real love. What is real? How do you determine what real love is? And if there's any place that'll definitely define love for you, it's this little letter of 1 John. You know, uh, Hollywood's got their version of love, but you have to remember that Hollywood's version of love is real love, R-E-E-L. It's not necessarily real love, R-E-A-L. So what we're looking for is, where's the real thing? What's authentic love? So I want to introduce you to this passage. It's not very long. It just goes from 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 19, and then we'll talk about it, what real love really looks like. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? because his own deeds were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love that he, that's Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we 
ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. Wow. Let us love in word or let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. We're looking for real love, the real thing. So I want to give you a few observations from this passage since we got Valentine's Day coming up. And I do pray that God will bless all of those that you love in your life. The first truth about real love is given in verse 11. I believe here we find an exhortation to love. That's what it means when it says we should love one another. It's, it's commanded. It's expected. It's an exhorted love. This exhortation is given consistently. You know, it's almost like if you were to read through this entire letter to 1 John, it's only five chapters, it's not very long, but what you would discover is there are a few themes and it's like you're in a spiral staircase and you're gonna see it once and you'll see the same thing come up again and again. You know, already if you were going up the spiral staircase, of First John, you would have seen love in chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. Here we are in chapter 3, verses 11 through 19, looking at love again. But then once again, when you get to chapter 4, you're going to come around again and see that love is mentioned in chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. When I was in Japan, I remember people saying that that's a big difference between the way a Japanese pastor delivers a message in the way an American pastor delivers a message. Because an American pastor sort of has this linear uh, place. He's headed on a road toward a certain destination. But they said Japanese pastors, their messages are more cyclical and they're going to come back again and again and again and address the same topic. So anyway, if you were to read First John, you would definitely say, you know what? He didn't just deal with love one time. He came back around over and over again. Do you know it's that same way throughout the New Testament? I mean, even in, let's say, the Gospel of John. Well, in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus said, I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I've loved you, you must also love one another. In John 15, verse 12, he says, this is my command, love one another as I've loved you. John 15, 17, this is what I command you, love one another. It's just over and over again, even in Paul's letters in Romans 12, 10, show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Romans 13, 8, do not owe anyone anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. And it just goes on and on. I think I counted 11 different exhortations in the New Testament for us simply to love one another. I'm just saying this exhortation is not an isolated, you know, radical thing here. 
This is mentioned over and over again in Scripture. But I couldn't help but think of how it's not just given consistently, it's also given comprehensively. Is there anyone that's off of your love list? (laughs) Is there anyone that you would say, I'm not responsible, I'm not accountable to love that person or to love that type of person? You know, he just says here, we should love one another. You know, that's pretty uh, exhaustive right there. That's comprehensive. There are no exceptions given. He doesn't say, you should love other people who are in the same income bracket as you. You should love other people who are of the same race as you. You should love other people who have the same hairstyle as you. You should love other people who wear the same type of clothing that you prefer, who really enjoy the same kind of musical uh, genre that you like. No, those are all just subcultures. Really what he's saying is, I want you to love everybody. I want you to be known as a follower of Christ. And the way you know followers of Christ is they love each other. So there's no doubt that real love says, you know what, I'm going to do what the Lord says. He exhorted me to love, so I'm going to love. But you know, not everyone in this world and in history and in life, not everyone loves, do we? You know, it brings me to the second truth about real love. And that is, love is not always popular. Love is not always accepted. Sometimes, Love is actually rejected. I think that's what he touches on in the next couple of verses. When you move from verse 11 to verses 12 and 13, you definitely are suddenly given a couple of bad examples of people that said, I don't like the whole idea of love. He brings up two brothers. He he reminds us of the first family feud that was mentioned in the Bible. It's all the way back in Genesis chapter four, but it says we should not be like Cain. Remember Cain, Cain and Abel? Well, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. So he's definitely saying, you know what? You don't want to cause harm like Cain did. Cain was angry. And even though Cain was going through the rituals, he was still a rebel. It didn't matter that he was wanting to make an offering to God. There was something not right within his heart. True love comes from the heart. And there was something not right. And so when God did not, you know, receive or accept or approve of Cain's sacrifice, but he approved of Abel's sacrifice, it made Cain angry. And God warned him. God saw what was in his heart and said, sin's crouching at the door, Cain. Don't give in. But you know, so many give in to that. As a matter of fact, right now, I don't believe that the harm caused by Cain is the end of it. There's still so much hatred that is across our country and in our society, even in our culture. You know, verse 13 says, Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Reminds me so much of 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. You know, Peter says, don't be surprised 
if the world that is in rebellion against God, if they don't like you whenever they find that you're a Christian, if they don't agree with you whenever they see your standards that are based on Scripture. Jesus told us in John 15, verses 18 through 20, the world's going to hate you because it hates me. And so it's just a part of it. You know, just uh, last night I was watching the news and I saw where an 82-year-old man had gone to the bank. He didn't realize that there were four men following him in a car. So they followed him until he uh, went into a gym. And so they waited because there were still people moving around in the parking lot when he went into the gym. But when he came out of the gym, no one was in the parking lot. And so one of the men slipped out of the car, hit the man really hard uh, in the back of his head and said, give me your wallet. And so they stole about $500 that the man had just withdrawn from the bank. The man didn't say on the news interview uh, how hard he had worked for that money. They didn't say, why did he need that money? Perhaps he was withdrawing that money so that he could pay for a bill for medications or whatever. We don't know why he needed it, but all of a sudden, because four men made a decision for hatred, and for harm rather than for love and for kindness. You know, I just thought, oh my goodness, why don't we say, let's pass kindness forward whenever we go through uh, our weeks that surround uh, Valentine's Day. But just be aware, some people don't want love. Some people make another choice of anger or hatred or harm and those kinds of things. But now we move to verses 14 and 15, and I'm going to go ahead and throw in verse 19, that there's something that love, when you're really loving, it confirms something's happened in our lives. Let's see what that something is. It says in verse 14, we know, so here's what's going to be confirmed. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And then once again in verse 19, remember what it said when I read it earlier? By this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. How do we know that we are truly born again, that we When we say we're a Christian, how do we know that it's real, that it's genuine? Well, one proof that 1 John offers is the proof of love for other Christians. Do you love other Christian brothers and sisters? Well, he says, that's how you can know. You can know that there's a sign that, hey, the life of Jesus Christ is flowing through my heart. And and that's how you know that you have received the Lord. Of course, one thing I want to make clear, this proof of love for the brethren, it's the result of salvation, not the route to salvation. So in other words, we don't become a Christian because we love other people. We love other people because we have become a Christian. And so there's just such a difference. It's not the route to eternal life. It's the result of eternal life. But notice the reproof of hatred toward the brethren in verse 15. I think that for us, 
once we say that we're a Christian, to still hate other brothers or sisters in Christ, that's a sign that it's not real yet. That's a sign of spiritual death, not spiritual life in Christ. So once again, it's not addressing accessibility. It's addressing assurance of our salvation. And so I just think it's wonderful that love is such a confirmation that we have come to know the Lord. Whereas, you know, if we still hate people, well, that's a sign I need to really go back to the Lord. I'll never forget one time whenever uh, I was in a church a long time ago and there was a group in there that really disliked their pastor. Uh, I'm so thankful at my church. They love the pastor and I'm glad I feel that love so much and I love them. But there was a church that just simply, there was a group in there, a small group, and they disliked him. So what they said was, well, let's don't pick his kids up when we do the, uh, they were all doing a carpool to take the children to school. And so they said, don't pick up uh, the pastor's kids. So they called one of the deacon's wives to tell her, hey, you're the one driving the carpool this week. Don't pick up the pastor's kids. And she said, why? And they said, well, we hate him. And she said, oh, First John says, you can't say I love God and hate your brother and it be genuine. Something's not right there. And she confronted them on the phone and she told me about it. I was just the youth pastor. But anyway, I just remember thinking, oh, that's so scary that someone would claim to be a Christian and have such hatred in their hearts. I hope that's not your case. You know, really, love is clarified for us in verse 16, is it not? It says for us, by this we know that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Wow. You know, I believe that when Christ sacrificed his life for us, he was defining what true love does. You see, true love gives. True love doesn't take. You know, true love has this way of saying, I want to sacrifice for other people uh, because Jesus sacrificed for me and he introduced me to a new way of loving other people. You know, in Romans chapter five, verses six through 11, here's what it says. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now, that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. I'm telling you, the Christian life is an introduction to real love. And what happens is we go back to the fact that Jesus died for me and it makes me willing to share with other people. And that's why he goes on to talk about, hey, we shouldn't just talk about love but we ought to say, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to show you in my deeds. I'm going to love you in deed and in truth. 
And so he says, if anyone has the world's goods, sees his brother in need and yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? No, there's something about genuine love that's already been clarified and defined for us. So now we want to apply, apply it to other people. I'll never forget one time when my younger brother was running track. I was a college student and I'd never seen my brother run track. He was in high school and he was competing in a town not, not that close to where I was attending university. But I had just read Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4 and 5, which says that we should think about other people and, and try to give them the best that we can give them, to think of others. And so I thought, okay, how can I love my brother? And so I went to see him run track. And he was so shocked to see me there. He said, don't you have classes? And I said, yeah, I have classes, but not right now. And he said, how did you drive all the way over here to see me run? Why did you do that? I said, I came over here because I care about you, because I wanted to cheer for you. I hope you win today. Run your best. You know, it, it really meant a lot to him. To this day, I love my brother and he loves me. And it's so, it's just so great whenever Christ has clarified for you what real love is all about. You ought to say, how can I love my sweetheart this this uh, Valentine's Day? How can I love my kids? How can I love others, my parents, and so forth? So anyway, just let the Lord clarify love for you. Well, I want to close with those last things because I do feel like that love always is demonstrated. You know, verses 17 and 18 talks about how, you know, some guys could be indifferent to the needs of others, but we should not be indifferent. We should have an engagement with our friends and our brothers and our sisters in Christ, our parents and our families and our wives and so forth. We are to say, I want to demonstrate the love that I have by just simply giving and sharing and encouraging and praying for them and so forth. And so don't let it be something abstract. Don't let it be something that you just say. Let it be something that you do, something that shows them just how uh, real that God's love is flowing through your life. Demonstrate it. God demonstrated his love toward us, that's for sure. And so I encourage you to do that. Remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? How it wasn't just uh, you know an abstract idea. This guy said, there's somebody in need. I'm going to absolutely uh, take the time I need to help him. And so that uh, good Samaritan took the man that had been wounded and laying on the side of the road. And he said, I'm going to take him to an inn and I'm going to pay for whatever he needs so that he can be cared for. That's real love. So I encourage you this Valentine's Day, why don't you read through 1 John? And let the Lord just recalibrate your definition of love. Don't go by just what Hollywood says. Not all the uh, movies that we see are uh, real love. I would call it R-E-E-L type of love. Yeah, it's, it's on the real, right? But it's not real. Let's love other people around us with real love, the kind that Christ modeled for us. When we go to the Lord, and let me ask the Lord to bless you as you go through this uh, season around Valentine's Day. 
Lord, thank you so much for those who listen to Growing in Grace. I pray that they were blessed today as we went to First uh, John chapter 3 and we explored what does it mean to love with a genuine, authentic love. I pray that you uh, answered that for us today through your word. So uh, just bless them as they seek to love other people. I pray that those that are around us would sense the love of Christ. Uh, you did say that we could be like a fragrance of Christ uh, to those that were around. And so I pray that all this week and all the rest of this month, that we would be a fragrance of Christ and that we would remind people of your great love for us. But thank you again for loving us even before we loved you. While we were still sinners, you loved us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thank you so much for uh, listening to Growing in Grace. I pray that God will bless you as you go through the rest of this week. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.